Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Chip Frederick will talk baseball with us on today's show. Today's news presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at SB Entry Law, and please tell them you heard about them on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Vanderbilt loses its second game in the College World Series. Commodores fall one to nothing to Sam Highfill and North Carolina State. Jack Leiter was just phenomenal, striking out 15, gave up one home run to Terrell Tatum. Unfortunately for Vanderbilt, that's the difference. The Commodores now will play Wednesday night against Stanford. That game will be 6 p.m. Central. The loser of that one will see its season end. Chip Frederick joins me today. It is Tuesday afternoon. Vanderbilt lost a game to North Carolina State last night. Chip, I think that's one we're going to remember for a while. That was one of the better pitching performances I've ever seen on both sides. Yeah, it was a pitcher's duel. If that's something you like, and and I think Tim Corbin expressed that. If you're if you're a fan of that type of baseball and quality pitching and and not a fan of offense, that was a type of game that uh, you definitely would enjoy. Two great guys going. You know, about it a different way. I mean, Heifel throwing low 90s, which a little disconcerting that you think that a guy would 90-91 would not be able to be handled by Vanderbilt's bats, but that's what happened because he came at different angles. He threw a little sidearm. He came a little three-quarters. He mixed up his pitches, landed his breaking ball, and he threw a lot of first-pitch strikes, uh, which, you know, really befuddled Vanderbilt's got, – got him in a hole. And, Chris, he – Anybody who follows is a student of the game and loves pitching, as I just mentioned in my comment before. The statistics show undoubtedly that when you get ahead in the count in a pitcher's favor, 0-1, 2 counts, when you're constantly as a batter, you're you're in that hole. The, the, the results are tilt so much in the favor of the pitching, uh, and that's what happened last night. Vanderbilt... I forgot I saw the st- the stats. I think they took 15 first pitch strikes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, got up behind in the count early. Uh, I think some guys were guessing up there quite a bit, and you don't want to be doing that uh, in a, in a tight game like that. You, you know, you, on the other hand, lighter. You know, Chris, we talked, we talked, and think in March, and I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm the, the soothsayer and. I told you so, but I, I just had a feeling when we talked in March before the first series and we were previewing Vanderbilt baseball and what we thought it was going to be like, I recall making a comment. I just wish it didn't happen in the College World Series. But I remember recalling a comment, a statement that I made that I said, you know, we know what Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker are capable of doing, and there's going to be some times this season when Vanderbilt's going to lose one to nothing, two to nothing, two to one, and those two guys pitch their hearts out and lose, and Vanderbilt loses. And and that's what happened last night. It didn't happen a whole lot this year. There were some times when, you know, when when Leiter and Rocker got touched up and they've given up some home runs and they've, they've had some situations where they haven't pitched well, it's been pretty obvious. We really hadn't had, to my recollection, a game like last night, and unfortunately, it happened last night. Jack Leiter pitched a great game, struck out 15 batters, gave up uh, um, four hits, 
anytime, 95% of the time, Chris, that's going to win you baseball games. And it just didn't happen. And unfortunately it came true last night in a one, nothing loss, a loss that really, really stings. And we talked about how it, it stings because of the advantages that you get when you go into the, the stay in the winner's bracket, you're off till Friday. You got all these good thoughts going through your mind and positive energy and now you got to climb your way back, and and that's the position Vanderbilt's in right now. Okay, you said the stat about the first pitch strikes. I, I did not know the exact number, but fourteen, fifteen is something like that. I guess is is I've seen somebody say fourteen. Point is, they they let a lot of first pitch strikes go, and then when you've got a guy who's throwing a lot of strikes and throwing different strikes from different angles. Uh, and landing those for strikes, now you're down to you got two swings. And one of the swings, when they did put them in play, they weren't hitting them very hard. But what did you just think about their whole approach? I mean, sometimes it cracks me up because it's like, well, if they get up there and they start swinging at a bunch of stuff, it's they're impatient. Then if it's if it goes this way, it's you know they're they're letting strikes go by. And, and I, I by the way, I I'm not saying that to say that there aren't fair criticisms because I think last night you look back at that and say seems like they should have hacked at a few of those. Uh, but I'm wanting your opinion. What did you make of their approach last night? I know that Mike Baxter took some criticism on our forum for it last night. But how do you process that as a as a baseball guy? Uh, I think it's a lot of youth. I think it's uh, some guys might have been pressing quite a bit that normally aren't pressing. We've had some guys we talked about in the last podcast about some guys who are new to the lineup that haven't been consistently in there, like Laneve, uh, Parker Nolan. You've got um, Javier Vaz. Those three guys have not been consistently in the lineup. You know, Laneve, towards the end of the last couple weekends, was was in the lineup. But this is still a young team, and I think they just there might have been some guessing there, and you can't really – you got to be more aggressive in attacking first pitch strikes. This team right now, to assess them on a Tuesday of the College World Series week, uh, you know, the, the first week, I guess, for, full, full week, a team that's in the loser's bracket, they're not attacking uh, pitchers early in the count. We're not running. There's not a lot of running going on. Enrique Bradfield hadn't stolen a base in two weeks. Uh, you've got guys who I don't, I don't think have we stolen a base this this college world series. I don't think no. So I don't know that they've attempted one, and and that's right. that's the thing. I get a lot of texts about that. Is what's going on with that and with Bradfield? Yeah, and that's I don't know. I mean, there's there's some mystery behind that. Whether he is um, whether he is injured somewhat, maybe he's got a tender hamstring or or an ankle or what have you. Certainly doesn't look like that. But then. Someone commented in the press conference and asked Tim Corbin if said that he was doing some stretching, saw some stretching going on and wondering if Bradfield was banged up. But this is a guy who was stealing at will. I mean, this is he was taunting almost catchers several weeks ago that he was going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to tell you I'm going to run, and you're not going to be able to throw me out. And now last night we weren't on the base too much. I mean, Bradfield 0 for 4, you can't steal, just like you can't win. A, you can't, we can't win a game if you don't score a run. I think I told my 11-year-old boy that last night when summarizing the game. And uh, you got to get on base to steal bases. So it's it's simple stuff there. Um, but I, I'm trying to – I don't think it's a Mike Baxter thing. I really don't, Chris. It's it's these guys I mentioned um, yesterday, the last podcast. There's some holes here. There's some holes in this team. I don't think they're perpetual holes, but there's some holes 
right now in in the first, you know, the, I guess week two of the College World Series, whatever you want to call it, day four or five, that this team has, whether it's a confidence problem, whether it's that they're just not barreling up on pitches, whether they're pressing a little bit, whether we got some guys still banged up. And they're going to have to get it right if they're going to want to wait around because and play around because, you know, Stanford is a team that can put some numbers on the board and they're going to be battling for their lives too. And it's not abnormal to see performances like this in the College World Series. You're going to see pitchers who are on their game, uh, pitchers, uh, top flight pitchers, top eight in the country, the teams, uh, maybe not the best teams, but the teams that are playing the best right now. And you're going to see some low uh, voltage, you might call it, games where there's not a lot of hits. And then you've got games like the 10 run game, um, the 10 number, you know, 10 runs being put up um, yesterday by Stanford. And so you, you're you're going to see some of that too. But there are going to be some some dominating performances. But there's some holes right now. Again, they're not perpetual, permanent holes. These guys have got to figure it out, and whatever they're doing now, they've got. We've got to try something different. Perhaps you know, switching the lineup a little bit, the order, moving some guys around. Because what it happens is, it gets to be a confidence problem, and it's too late to correct that if you if you don't do it sooner than later, because you won't be around long. You'll get eliminated. Well, I'm with you. I don't think it's a Mike Baxter issue. I thought Mike, excuse me, did a tremendous job in 20. 20- 19, you know, and, and of course, what did they have? Then they had a lot of veteran hitters, and I thought he made those guys better. I mean, you look at the way Martin and Vlade hit, I just thought they were phenomenal. You look at the way Ethan Paul got better and, and up and down the lineup, basically everybody, uh, other than maybe Julian Infante. Uh, but, you know, that, that was – you don't hit with everybody, right? So I, I think to me that's – that's misplaced criticism. I think they've got a really good hitting coach. But I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at this, and I'm, I'm annoyed by the way we do rosters these days. Because like the, the kid last night for North Carolina State was a freshman. Well, I looked it up. He's, he's a COVID freshman. He's, he's in the second year. But you're looking Tatum, Brown, Murr, Butler, Jarrett. Five of their starters are listed as juniors. And I'm not going to look them all, all individually. But that, that probably means they're seniors. Um, Tresh is a sophomore. McDonough's a sophomore. Mincic's sophomore. I mean, these are guys, this lineup, and, and I tried to say this to people before the year, and I think most people understood, but these guys, none of these guys were regulars in Omaha two years ago. A lot of these kids for NC State probably were regulars two years ago. I, I think, to me, and, and that's not all of it, right? But there's a difference in maturity, and I just think that that's a lot of what last night boiled down to. I think we get caught up in the recency I think this is good hitting lineup. I don't think it's a great hitting lineup. Uh, and, and right now they've got to find their way, and, and they don't really look anywhere close to it right now. No, and, and, and there's a lot of dif- – there's a difference between, you know, people could say, well, Jack Leiter's eligible for draft. He's an older guy. He should be able to, you know, play in the moment, which he did. Leiter's not the issue. It's not an issue of age. And it's really not an issue of what class you're in. It's an issue of how many games that you've played in a tough conference like the SEC, ACC. It's it's that experience. It's the scabs that you've formed over going through learning experiences, through trials, through tough games in front of big crowds. And uh, we've said it before, and we'll say it one more time. I mean, you, you got some pups in the Vanderbilt lineup, some guys who – despite the fact that some of them are a bit older or not in possibly draft eligible sophomores. Some of them have not 
been around. I mean, Enrique Bradfield was, you know, he was playing high school ball last year or finishing up or he had finished up. And, and so you, you do hit a wall sometimes where your talent can take you a long, long way. And Enrique Bradfield is a freak talent, but some of these guys, when it gets down to the overpowering uh, pitchers, guys who are, and there, and look, there are no secrets anymore. Anybody who has a friend, any coach that has a friend in any league can call around and get detailed scouting reports and film and tendencies on anybody. Don't think that Tim Corbin doesn't do the same, that he's not calling his friends at Clemson or wherever to get information on North Carolina state and North Carolina state's coaching staffs doing the same thing. Those, if you think it's just a deal like, well, SEC teams aren't going to report on any any of their brethren, you're wrong. I mean, there, there's some teams that want Vanderbilt to fail, and there's some ACC teams that don't want to see NC State uh, do well. So the book is out on all these guys. The book is out on the guys on the bench. There's no secrets. And when you have that and that year, that four months' worth of knowledge of spray charts, tendencies, you know, Bradfield doesn't like the high fastball. He this you do Brad if you're going to hold Bradfield on, this is how you do it. You just make him wait and you sit there and you step off and then you know you, different things like that. I'm using that as an example. And and the same goes for um you know lighter on the pitching side even though he lit it up and and struck out 15 and only gave up four hits. You even had guys on the broadcast last night on ESPN were saying, "Well, usually when he throws fastball fastball, and he lands them, then he comes back with breaking ball away. I mean, even those guys know the tendencies. So it just really is best versus best, and you got to be able to adjust. And and um, unfortunately, our guys are just in a little bit of a rut right now as far as, you know, even getting the barrel on the bat and squaring up on some barreling up on some balls and getting them in the gaps and, and getting some offense going. Because when that happens, when Bradfield gets on the base paths, when they make the defense adjust and they worry about him and when – they can move down the lineup and they get, you know, your guys like a Dom Keegan who can spray the ball around. Those are the things that churn out the offense and make the defense uh, very uh, concerned. I feel like every time Thomas and Keegan come to the plate, they're about to let one loose and it just has not happened in about two weeks now. Yeah. And, and, and that that's true. And you starting to see, you know, you look at the season stats, those are starting to trickle down a little bit. It's just only natural. I think we saw that even in the 2019 year. As the competition rises, you're going to see a lot of those batting averages fall uh, from where they were at Lofty. And we've already seen that the last couple of weeks as the competition has increased. So, And that's happening everywhere. That's just not uh, with Vanderbilt's team. That's happening with all the teams in the College World Series. The thing that's surprising to me is they're just not hitting anything into the gaps. I mean, nothing. No. And and that that's what is really shocking to me. I thought this would be a team that might have a game with three or four doubles and you get one with a couple on and two outs. I thought that's how they win. Radfield stealing a couple of bases, as you mentioned earlier, that's not happening. Just to me, what I thought their identity would be in this event, it's not it at all. Yeah, and, and um, you know, things change throughout the course of the season and and guys' perspective, and and you have to understand there's there, there's the bang up factor too. Everybody, it's not like hockey where, you know, they always say at the end of the year that you got guys banged up and 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 in the playoffs and everybody's playing hurt. But, you know, you got C.J. Rodriguez who's been banged up all season in some form or fashion. You've got the handmade bone with with Colwick. 
you know, we don't really know about Bradfield. I'm hopefully he's not banged up, but something's going on there where he's not. If it's a confidence problem or uh, as far as stealing bases or being on the move, you've got Carter Young's situation. You've got, you know, I can go on and on. It, it just seems like one after the other. And, and um, you know, it's just a matter of, of guys rising to the occasion and, and fighting through that if they can. And sometimes you just can't. I mean, I, uh, Colwick, I guess, is good enough to, to pinch hit. Um, um, he didn't really have much to look at last night and, and didn't fare much. I don't know, maybe fouled a few pitches off, but you wonder and hoping if maybe he's ready. If he's not, then you're still going to have to go with the lineup. But, you know, a couple guys are just really struggling. Parker Nolan has is, is, is been really uh, not hitting the ball at all, making contact in this in this thing, and, and uh, that's a little concerning. So you can go – down the lineup, one through nine, even some guys coming off the bench that they're just not barreling up on on the baseball like they have. And this is not a new thing. Let's hope it stops Wednesday, right? Let's hope they come out and it's just a merry-go-round, stick a quarter quarter in, and and just it just goes round and round the bases. But this is not, you know, ex- with the exception of a few games, you know, the George one of the Georgia Tech games. With the exception of a blowout of Presbyterian, this team has not knocked the cover off the ball like they did, for instance. And I'm just grabbing a performance in Knoxville in Game Two where they went, really went crazy in because that's the mind mess a little bit that you sit there and say, well, the potential's there. Look what they did in Knoxville and just ran UT out of the park in Game Two of that series, and then kind of look what's happening now. And that's where the 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 differences between these these two it's the same kids same lineup a couple of them might be banged up though and the pitching might be getting a little better as we get deeper into this thing this season of the podcast made possible by Jody Jones DDS Jody is a former Commodore football player and a football booster if you need general or cosmetic dentistry services Jody is your guy and he's great at what he does you go to see him you will see why he serves entertainers, movie stars, athletes, coaches. They think Jody is the best in the business in Nashville, and I would agree with him. And his place is like nothing you've ever seen. It is a tooth spa, as someone described it to me. It's nothing like a dentist's office. You will feel relaxed. You will feel at home. Go see Jody Jones at 55 Music Square East. Thank him for his support of the podcast and tell him you heard about his business here. You know, and it didn't end up mattering that much. But there were two things in terms of strategy I didn't like last night. First, I think it's time they switch up their batting order. Uh, Vaz, I think, has got to hit higher than eighth. And uh, Gonzalez has got to hit higher than ninth. They're two of the better on-base percentage kids on the team. Uh, I don't really understand Carter Young in the two spot. Uh, I think Carter's a great player. And, uh, man, they would have really missed him had the shoulder not come back, especially defensively. But he's not quite been himself since then, and, and Carter's not an on-base guy. He's a he's a get-you-a-three-run bomb guy, which he did the other night. I would have moved him down the order a little bit more. I, I just I don't really understand some things I'm seeing with that. I, I guess it's a, what they've done all year, but right now that's not working. That and the other thing I didn't understand last night, they got what a – I think Young walked with one out with nobody out in the ninth. They bunted him over. I didn't care for that decision. Uh, they pinch ran for Rodriguez, which I understood in a way. But no, 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 no. Am I getting that not, mixed not up? Me. No, not me. I don't. I, I, I don't take CGA out of the game. Yeah, well, I and that's I, that's I, what yeah. I was getting at because you could get two runs and be ahead, 
Um, and, and I'm just thinking that takes away some of your pitches. Nothing against Max Romero, but C.J. is just hands down the better defensive guy between those two. And I, I'm just like, you're running a risk. I guess it was the eighth because we did see Romero in the ninth. Um, and Vanderbilt was the visitor last night. So I just I didn't like that call there because I'm like, you could have a lot of baseball to play, and that could get decided on one wild pitch that you know one catcher catches and one doesn't. Sure enough, you had a wild pitch in the next inning that got by Romero. Um, right. I just yeah. those those were two things. I, I don't understand their lineup decisions right now. And I did not like the move of, of the bunt and, and the pinch runner there. I just thought that, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to win the, the game a different way at that point. Yeah, and, and at a park as big as TD Ameritrade Park, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to score from second base um, in, in, on a base hit. Now, we saw just in a few minutes, you know, 30 minutes ago, this UT-Texas game, there was a play at the plate, but that was more of a ball in motion and a guy trying to stretch an extra base. Um, but I just thought C.J. Rodriguez, I think C.J. Rodriguez is too valuable, and I think he's got enough speed at least where he can score from second. Now, I know you're trying to scratch out a run there, and you only got two hits the whole game, and you're basically playing it to survive and, and, and get it tied in the ninth, but you still had to go back out there for the next inning, and I just uh, I think that guy's too good of a receiver uh, to to come out of the game right there. But we can sit here and nitpick all we want, the fact of the matter is, is we didn't score and we didn't deserve to win the game. You got to score to win. And it was just one of those nightmare games that came true. And and we, we've we got to get better at moving the ball, moving the baseball, moving the runners in scoring position and attacking pitchers early in counts. And I, and I think to me that I don't think it's Mike Baxter. I think he does a great job. I don't think it's anything about philosophy as far as what he's been doing in the cage with these guys. And, and, uh, you know, you can, you can look at, I ran into a high school coach today, a local high school coach I respect very much. And we were talking about, you know, kids in these launch angle things and don't think the college kid, I mean, if high school kids are talking about them, you know, college kids are obviously talking about them. And he, he was, his comment was that the, the philosophy of hitting has changed so much in his tenure as a head coach that he's seen, even in the high school level, that it's the new thing to hit bombs and, and, to and to adjust your launch angle instead of spraying the ball around and hitting the ball the opposite way. I don't think we've seen a lot of that. That's one thing that I was, that I think is a lost art is hitting the ball the other way, going with a pitch. And I think you've seen a dramatic shift in doing that, uh, especially with the shifts that seem to, some teams are doing defensively is getting in the heads of some of the pitchers where it's taking that part out. So, and it's making them think about it too much where when some of these shifts, if you just go with the pitch the opposite way and just hit a ball on the ground, it's going to be a base hit. It's a free hit. So I think a little bit that's going on too. Well, I'll tell you who didn't need a shift last night was Jack Leiter because the defense was almost irrelevant. That kid, and it's a shame we've gone 21 minutes without speaking about him, but he just was incredible last night. Yeah, it, it was uh, a, a sight to be seen with, with his maturity and, and how he was uh, – uh, fearless went out there striking out 15 and and you know throwing 123 pitches and saving the bullpen uh, I thought that was admirable and, and a good move by Brownie and Corbin to do that I think they were thinking ahead but you know they didn't have an answer for him except one pitch he said in the press conference on Tatum's home run it shows the importance 
of one pitch. Every pitch, I think his comment was, matters. And in that, ha- and that, you know, he made a mistake. He was trying to go a certain section of the plate, and he missed. And Rodriguez uh, was giving him the target, and he missed. And and Tatum hit it out of the park, and it was a rocket. He made one mistake, and and that's the ball game. But can't say enough about the way he pitches. I, I you know, there are if there's a criticism about lighter to be technical, <laughs> this, we're going to be really nitpicky here from people who dissect pitching. Uh, I think he's way better in the windup than he is not way better, but I think he's decidedly better in the windup than he is in the stretch. And most people are, except if you're a reliever, but I think he flies open a little bit. I think he, he flies his shoulder open a little bit early and when he's in the stretch and is not as effective. Um, but he didn't have to go, of course, from the stretch that much. We got to see him from the windup and we saw him from his better side. And that's something he'll work out when he's, you know, playing pro ball and next year or later on this summer, wherever he goes. And, and he is a phenomenal talent. I love his poise. I love his mind and the way he approaches the game, the way he studies the game. And we're going to miss him. It's going to be sad to not have him around. Um, you know, that, that one year uh, that we could have had last year, the lost year, and then the fact that he's older, making him draft eligible. I know that I'll tell you one thing, there are a lot of coaches in the conference and across the country will be glad to see him go uh, instead of having him come back next year. Because if he came back next year, you're talking about some numbers and some records that'll be, that would be broken that uh, probably would never be broken at the school. I was thinking today, <laughs> if 2020 was played, they have Rocker, Leiter, Hickman, Tyler Brown, Ethan Smith, Laboki, Doolin, Fisher. I mean, how do you think that was going to play out? Yeah, that, that was a missed opportunity uh, and uh, um, uh, with that staff because, I mean, the Mason Hickman has shown, and I've been tooting his horn for the last all these podcasts out because of the, what he was last year as a number three pitcher and having the luxury of having that, that a guy like that. And, you know, you know, one, it, it's just such a drop off, but I mean, you've got two first round guys, Chris, I mean, two top 10 guys, and then sure there's going to be a drop off. And you just wonder sometimes if teams, when they get to face the third pitcher from Vanderbilt, it's just a natural, uh, you know, serotonin in their brain that comes and like, Ooh, we get to face the number three, but there's these guys when in fact, they're really, really talented three, four and five pitchers, but, uh, uh mentally they're thinking the pressure's off. They don't have to face a guy who's going to be making, you know, millions of dollars here in the next couple of weeks, uh, in lock lighter and rocker. So, uh, yeah, that, that would have been an interesting scenario when you got the closer, like you had with Brown and those, those guys, it would have been fun to watch, but of course, it didn't, and we're dealing with uh, trying to survive here right now. All right, let's talk going forward. How you feeling? Do you feel like it's it's kind of hopeless and over with? It's hard to play out of this spot. Um, are you feeling like they've got enough arms to to make it through? It's going to be difficult, and and you know you have to. And, and I know the the comment of taking one game at a time. I hate that. I just it's one of my pet peeves. It's, it's cliche that's used over and over again, but in, in a baseball sense, what you can do is you're just, you tell your team. And I even think Tim Corbin said this four or five years ago, he was talking about this back when um, it was the Oregon regional and they didn't go in the losers bracket, but he was talking about, I think he was asked at a point about attacking how teams survive in a losers bracket or the approach about facing a regional tournament. 
in those extra games. And his comment was something along the lines of, you just got to play baseball games. You can't look at the bracket. You don't talk about the bracket. You don't talk about who you would play. Because if you look at the bracket, it becomes a really a daunting task on paper. So you don't even discuss it. It's just you go to win a baseball game uh, Wednesday, and you get to play another baseball game on Friday. And if you win that game, then you get to play on Saturday, and the stakes are higher. But you start looking at who can pitch this game and stretching it out. Now, we can do that. You and I can do that, and people on your board can do that. But the, as far as the team's concerned, they need to go out and win a baseball game and tag the baseball and, and get their hitting confidence back. Because if they don't, even if they win and they squeak one out and win one to nothing or two to nothing against Stanford, the same thing's going to happen on Friday and Saturday night when they run into some, you know, their frontline pitchers again with NC State who's going to have rest. So, you know, we can sit here and say, well, you know, this is how we think it in a, in a perfect world should line up. Um, I, I will say for them to have any, you know, you, and you have to look at it from a tournament. You got to play the tournament. You got to win even to keep going and you got to do all you can. But if you win this game, uh, if you went, were to win the game against Stanford, then if it's, if I'm coaching, you have to pitch rocker Friday. And the, the reason why you have to pitch rocker Friday is even with one day's less rest, because if you pitch rocker, then he has a chance to pitch Wednesday in the national title game. If it got there, if you save him till Saturday, he can't pitch in any of them. So um, that's the only looking that I can do. And again, I'm not the coach, but I'm looking at it from the big picture from 30,000 feet. So I think it's either going to be Riley or little on Wednesday pitching and, or a combination of the two. Um, I would like to think that if you could get one of those two and save the other one, that could pitch possibly over the weekend. But, you know, I'm not sure it, you would think it would be Riley. I haven't seen Little in the pen whatsoever. Last time we saw Little, he was coming off the field in Hoover, Alabama, clutching his wrist in his hand. And, and we think that was a cramp. But uh, I don't know if anybody's seen him throw in the pen, um, warm up, get loose, anything like that. We don't know what that, what that situation's like. I hope it's okay. So um, I think I, my gut tells me it'll be Riley and they'll just go staff after him, however he can go, because they got the rest. And then after that, you're just playing baseball games and trying to win games. And when they tell you you got to ho go home, you go home. But you, other than that, you win baseball games. Don't look at the bracket. Don't worry about who you're going to face next. Don't worry about who that team would throw. Just win a baseball game and then attack the next one. And don't look at the bracket again and keep winning games and, and uh, see what happens. I'm going to bet he starts Riley just because that's what he did all year. That was their three. Yeah, and, and he, he's shown that he's not going to deviate from that. So I don't think uh, – I don't see why any reason why. And, and he's not going to start Maldonado, and he's not going to start Murphy, and he's, he's not going to uh, – um, He's not going to do that. He's not going to do the Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas uh, situation where they started relievers. He's just not. And um, I think you'll see a pretty quick hook, and and which is deservedly you can't get behind. But um, you know, I, I'm I'm how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like this team, if they can break out of a slump, and and start driving the baseball, some good things could happen over the weekend. But 
Um, it, it's just going to be a matter of, of you got to put digits on the board. If you don't, none of this talking 15 strikeout performances four hitter makes no difference if you don't hit the ball. So let's see, they play for some reason. I can't find the stupid bracket. They play You're looking at the bracket, Chris. Don't look at the bracket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. We, we don't. We just play this one game at a time. No, we get, we can look at we can look at the bracket. We we can, but uh, I think um, I think those guys are probably out there training in Omaha this afternoon and doing their stuff and working on a lot of hitting and and they're the ones I'm I'm kidding you, but they're the ones not to look at the bracket. But go ahead, let's look at the bracket. Well, let's say what what time is Wednesday? Is it six? I think it's. Uh, of course, I looked at one. One said it said two Pacific. So is that th- uh, maybe I'm wrong? I'll. I'll uh, All right, let's see. We uh, okay. I've this. got it. I've got. I finally found one in front of me. The NCA had buried it down on their website. Um, okay, they play six p.m. against Four Stanford. Pacific. Yeah, this Four will be Pacific, six yeah. six Central. Um, yeah. yeah. Six Central on Wednesday night, and then the winner of that doesn't play till Friday. I'd forgotten they had another day's work to rest there. Yeah, so it goes uh, Wednesday, and then it would be Friday, and if necessary, Saturday. So yeah, and I guess would NC State at that point bring back its its guy from Saturday? I would think so. So you you think what he'll do is he'll go Riley, and then Rocker if they get that mm-hmm. far. Yeah, I think you have to, and I, and I and for the reason, uh, for the reason that I'm saying that you could, if you go any later, then I don't see any scenario where Rocker could come back and help you in a championship series. You see what I'm saying? Because I mean, yeah. if you throw Saturday, you'd have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, three and a half days rest for Ry- Rocker, a guy who's getting ready to get drafted in the top ten. I don't think you do that to that kid, um, and I think that extra day rest matter so um you know what do i know i mean this is a time when you got guys you know you see the ut guy the starter from game one wanting to put his cleats on and throw you know they just saw that on tv guys are going to tell you that they're ready but i'm not just not sure you're going to burn guys and put them at risk without the adequate adequate rest well and then then you could go little on saturday if you get there i would think yeah yeah and then and then saturday just becomes the whole thing flips if you get to Saturday. The momentum switches, I think, a little bit, and then it's just you th- you're throwing guys in inning a piece. Uh, you're 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 quick hook. You're playing matchups lefty righty early. You're trying to get you know you're just that's when you're trying to get in that scenario. So yeah, um, but it, it it can be done. It has been done in Omaha. Tim Corbin said he's seen it done. I think he was a part of team in Clemson that that was a part of that that had it happen. Vanderbilt, this is uncharted waters for Vanderbilt. Um, I'm thinking, right, unless in 20, uh, it was the when they got beat by Florida. What was that, 20? 2011, they went, beat North Carolina, lost to Florida, beat North Carolina, lost to Florida. And that was the year they just could not beat the Gators. Right, Um, it was a a mountain they couldn't climb. So, but there, it, it has happened. It, it just makes it that, and you, it's funny to see how the Las Vegas odds just immediately switched overnight, and now North Carolina State's the favorite, and and you know uh, Vanderbilt slipped, uh, you know, well below. I think they're like plus five hundred or six hundred. North Carolina State was plus two twenty. It, it just those, but just those guys analyze that. They know how hard it is. It shows the importance of getting into that winner's bracket and st- or staying in that winner's bracket, what it does. And it's all, you know, it's basically all pitching 
pitching based where you get to save your staff. Well, Stanford's pitching really drops off after its first two guys. I mean, and that's not even a thing where their bullpen is great. It, to, their thing was Beck and Alex Williams. Those guys were head and shoulders above the rest of the staff. Williams was pretty good yesterday. Beck was not good on Saturday. Now, I don't know if Stanford would try to bring Beck back on Wednesday. Let's see, you get Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You get three days in between. I wouldn't think they'd try to do that, right? I, I wouldn't think so. And you still have a scenario where um, they've they've got Matthews. Let's see, has Matthews pitched yet? Quinn Matthews, they, he's a lefty they've been using in relief. He's been bad. Yeah. He's the one yeah. that when they lost that game 20-2 to two to Arizona, he's the guy that pitched. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. mean, like even their closer, Zach Greck, okay, he had a, what, a 317 ERA, but you look beyond that, he struck out 17% of the hitters he faced, which is really low. Um, he, he gave free passes 12% of the time, so he's not even like a pinpoint control guy. I'm guessing he's an extreme ground baller with the numbers the way they are. I don't have that in front of me. Uh, and then their bullpen is just it, – mostly it's a lot of guys who gave up a lot of base runners. Um, they don't really have a dominant strikeout guy in there. Uh, O'Rourke struck out 23% of the guys he faced. Um you know, I'm trying to think who that would compare with on Vanderbilt's staff, and it's not any of the guys they use. I mean, I think Riley strikes out like 30% of the hitters he faces, something like that. My, my point being is you look up and down the rest of the pitching that Stanford has, these guys give up a lot of base runners, and they don't strike out a lot of guys. I, I mean, yeah. look, it, look if, if they can't hit tomorrow, th- then it was just a slump, right? Um, I, I think probably case closed at that point. Yeah, and you and you look at a, an indicator, Chris. Uh, they've got six or seven guys in their bottom half of the pitching staff who have more hits than innings pitched. You know, Panzer has more hits than innings pitched. Palich, uh more hits than winning innings pitched. Thirty-six to thirty-four, thirty-six hits to thirty-four innings pitched. Uh, you have Weir Miller also in that category. Dowd has more hits than innings pitched. Worley has more hits than innings pitch, and you don't really see that that often on top flight teams, which is an indicator that they, you know, they do have a big drop off. And even in this, in, in Greg's situation, I mean, he's five and five. That's his record. 13 saves, that's impressive, but you don't really see too many relievers with that kind of uh, a record. So, you know, maybe some blown saves and involved in there. So uh, it, it's an opportunity to get back in the, in, in the tournament, so to speak, eliminate another team and, then there'll be, uh, I guess, six left, and and just try to hang t- hang in there and and survive, and um, you know, get to Friday because a lot of things can happen when you get to the weekend in, in the College World Series, and that's what this team's gonna have to find out. And and uh, like you said, if it, if it just doesn't happen, it's just a miserable kind of um, just went into a bad little tailspin here on the hitting side and and uh hopefully we don't have to find that out and, and get it worked out well let me put it this way i'm, I'm trying to do a, a comp to vanderbilt the best pitcher that stanford has left uh would, would probably be roughly comparable to thomas schultz statistically yeah mm-hmm. that's that's about right so and you and you got to remember schultz is still available out there too i know he hadn't right. pitched a whole lot but there's some arms in there and some and fresh arms and and some rested guys and and so there's an opportunity to expand the pen a little bit and as as Tim said last night in the press conference they brought you know 27 28 however many I don't know how many in the roster but 
you got to utilize that, 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 you know, you got to, everybody had it in their mind that it was going to be, you know, rocker lighter, pitcher number three, whoever that was Riley, and then go rocker lighter, um, national championship. I mean, they had, <laughs> and it's easy to do. It's easy to do. I had friends of mine who did that. You know, they had it all worked out that Vanderbilt was basically going to win the national championship with two pitchers and they were going to have to throw a third in game two of the, of the three game series if needed. And if we were to lose that, then we'd just come back with uh rocker or, or lighter, you know, it, it just doesn't work that way. The baseball gods are going to make you play, play a little bit and expand your roster in this tournament. And, and that's, what's going to have to happen. Well, and you look at this tournament underdogs have won, I think more often than not so far, a and B I, I swear every game that I think is going to be a pitcher's duel turns into a slugfest, it, it seems like. And some of these that I didn't think there were going to be a ton of runs scored, there have been. Like, I didn't think Tennessee and Texas was going to be a high-scoring game. I'm sitting here doing this. I think it's the sixth, and Texas is up 7-4. to four. I, I can't say I saw that coming. Um, I thought there'd be more runs scored last night in Vandy and NC State. And now Arizona-Stanford did not surprise me. Well, it did a little bit um, because Stanford's got a good starter, but I think that game just – Stanford got so many runs so quickly off Arizona that, that probably, that, you know, Stanford eased up. But point being that there's just been so many twists and turns already uh, that, you know, I, I did not go to bed last night feeling great about their chances. I still don't think they get out of the bracket. I just – I lean on the math more than anything. Usually, once you're in the winner's bracket like that, that you you're you're gonna you're gonna play it out and get there. But I I don't hate their chances to get out of it either. And and you have to remember, and, I, and we talked about this yesterday. It, it is not your true uh, double elimination tournament where you would maybe play in summer ball or in the SEC tournament. It it favors yes, it gives the rest to the team that, that has the undefeated record, but it sure does benefit the team to also, I mean, you get the day of rest in between today. You get the day of rest. If you win on Wednesday, you get the day of rest on Thursday. So it's not a, you know, you got a, a gauntlet of, yeah, you sure you got to win a bunch of games in a row, but you do get that rest day in between where it's not your typical, where you're playing double headers and you're doing it's, it's, it's none of that, which is, a bonus, yes, it, it benefits both teams. You you don't have to you get the rest if you and you earn it, the the full three four days of rest if you stay in the winners bracket. But at least it's not a deal where you're just burning arms and you're pitching pitcher number eleven, your eleventh pitcher uh, if you had to in one of the games just to get through. It's it, you do have the rest days in between. Well, and that also rests your bullpen. And I mean, they could easily get six innings with McIlvain. Murphy Maldonado, I think, on Wednesday. That's true. Or or that, Friday, for that matter. Yeah. That's right. Right. So, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Uh, you know, I, uh, how do I feel right now? I mean, it's. I woke up. I went to bed last night feeling a little worse than I did when I woke up this morning, uh, just because the competitor to me would want to get back out there and get back on the practice field and work things out. And they're a resilient bunch. And Tim Corbin said that, said it last night. So they're going to going to, you know, there's no sense in dropping your head. There's still baseball to be played, and they hadn't told you you got to check out of your hotel room yet. Uh, it's still time to uh, to get back on track, and and this team has the capability um, to do so, but they're going to have to work out some things in their hitting order. And, and you mentioned, you know, he, Corbin's a guy of consistency, but 
If you remember, I think it was the Ole Miss series. It was game three of that down there. He did jostle the lineup a little bit. I mean, he's not afraid to do that somewhat. Now, I don't know how dramatic he's going to do it, but I, I think you might see some changes Wednesday, and I think deservedly so. I think it's time to, to shake things up and and move some people down and move some people up and arrange things a little different and see. Uh, you know, they do it in hockey all the time. They change lines. They And, and sometimes you'll see change in basketball with lineups, and I, and I think it's warranted very warranted to see if a different combination would just shake things up, get some guys to see some pitches they wouldn't maybe normally see, get some guys to um, get their confidence back and see some more fastballs than they normally would. And and I think I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, um, and I could be wrong, I think you'll see some uh, maneuvering around tomorrow night in the lineup. Well, much like Tim Corbin, we don't make plans and look ahead, but I have a gut feeling that there's another Vanderbilt win in this tournament. We'll be doing another podcast this week. All right, we'll do that. Just make sure you don't look at the bracket. I had no looking at the bracket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chip. It's been fun. Uh, it's been good having you on this week, and uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, let's hope we uh, let's hope we touch base and have another one of these. And um, looking forward to good things. You got to stay positive, and and uh, I'm I'm sure that's what the guys are doing and staffs doing to keep them motivated. And um, hopefully we get off the snot here, the hitting wise, and and spray the ball around and get us a win here on Wednesday night. Thanks a bunch, Chip. Sure, we'll talk to you, Chris. All right, he's Chip Frederick. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll hope to have another one or two of these later in the week if conditions permit.